Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. just engaging with the rest of our family. We love coming together on Friday nights. And on this night, we come together and everybody brings an abundance of food. We fill up our bellies and then we fill up our spirits at the same time. So I just wanted to do a quick little demo up here. All right. So let's pretend. Are you guys ready for this? Can you see this right here? Yeah? All right. So, we have a believer, then we have a disciple. Got it? What is this? Okay. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) dad keeps going, believer, disciple. Okay, we've got a believer and we've got a disciple. They both ask Yeshua to be a part of their life, right? And so he comes in and begins to fill them up and pour into them all that he is and then tries to take the opportunity to keep pouring and pouring. But we've got one over here that he's trying to disciple and lead and say, let me show you more of who I am, more of what I do. But but they're pretty maxed out. They're, They're pretty full. This believer over here already has it, right? As a believer, we, already, we've already, we know him. I know so much about him. I know how he is, right? Didn't you think that way? We've thought that way as a believer before. I know everything that he operates in. And then we have a mother and father who come along, who've been filled up in that stage of believer. And they take sons and daughters, they take a family, and they begin to take everything that was poured into them by him. Excuse me if I start making a mess, but family's messy. And they just start to pour out everything that he has taught them. And what does this do over here? We got multiplication. And then Yeshua comes along and he's like, because you're willing to pour out and be discipled, I'm going to continue to just fill you up so that that can continue the multiplication, pouring out. And if I had more glasses, we would continue pouring out and pouring out because it would extend from there, right? It multiplies. The discipleship is what can go on and on and on, what is going to change what we see now because it continues to go. It doesn't stop here. We've got a believer who already knows it all. They They already met him. This is good enough. I met him. I know of him. I'm saved. I'm not going to hell. And that's basically all I need, right? Right. That's what we thought. At one point in my life, I did think it was about this. It was about saving me from something. And that was it. I didn't know that he had more and more and more and wanted to pour in so that I could then turn and pour out because there are others who need to be discipled, raised up, and this needs to be multiplied. So as a family tonight, we have a mother and a father in this home that have continued to be the ones that turn and pour out over us, to teach us to turn and pour out over others, to watch this multiplication happen, to watch how Ruach can come and how we can learn more and more of who Yeshua is and learn more of how Yahweh is and learn more about his feasts, about his language. Right here, I didn't know I needed to deal with blood versus blood. I didn't know that I didn't know him. I knew of him. And it was awesome. And I was saved and I was not going to hell. 
But over here, I get to turn and I get to multiply and teach others what's been poured into me. Now I know blood versus blood is something that the entire earth needs to hear about. There needs to be a reconciliation of our bloodlines to his bloodline. And that is something that shouldn't stop at me. Over here, what did I do? I hoarded his spirit. I didn't pour it out anywhere. I didn't, I thought it was all for me. And I was entitled to this because I said a prayer and I accepted him into my heart. Now this, I'm reminded of every single time the press comes to turn and multiply. I'm reminded of what he did. I'm reminded of who he is. I'm reminded of how he is and how he operates and how he was when he walked on this earth. And I'm reminded of the original intent I should be walking in. And that's all because we have a mother and a father in this home who've said, being a believer is not enough. I wanna be discipled by you and I wanna turn and disciple sons and daughters so that we really can go transform this earth. So tonight, I hope that you came hungry. I hope that you came like this, that you have recognized, okay, here's where I've been discipled and I'm pouring out and I'm pouring out. And tonight I am ready to be refilled, not in an old way, where as a believer, you, were, you just came really like dry, dead. I need my shot in the arm. But as a disciple who's like, I know and I value, there is value on what my mother and father have pressed into have continued to have poured into them, there's value in that, and I wanna receive all that I can. I wanna soak up all that I can so that I can then turn and pour out, so that I can master those things, right? So that I can turn and be one that disciples others. So I hope that tonight you are ready for that. Are you ready for that? I hope that you brought your notebook. Yeah, Diana. There is so much that comes out on, in our family nights. This family, in gen I mean, have you been on Voxer? Have you been listening to the podcast? If you're not here, do you tap in? <laughs> like if you, I mean, I don't, I should start working out, but if you work out, you're paying for a gym membership. You know what that value is. You know what you're ben you are benefited when you go. And if you miss, you make it up. You make sure to go. You're going to work harder next time. You're going to really watch your calories. You're going to really press in when you are there the next time. Do you do that with this? Do you do that with family? Do you do that with his kingdom? Because when you miss, you're not a part. You skip out on it. There are vital things. And there's no condemnation if you miss. That's why we have live. That's why we have podcasts. And if you were here, you probably missed a part of it. I have listened to it three times from last week, and I still feel like, wait, what? Like the things that are being released from this home, I was saying last week, there are new, there are fresh ears that are listening. But as a family, let's put some value on what is being released by our mother and father. And then let's not take that for granted. Let's turn and, and turn out to others who need to hear that also. So get your notebook, get ready, write it down, listen, go back over the past month, listen again, write it down, dive in, press in. He has got some major things for this family. Shifting things, moving things. We had a word that came earlier that we've seen these floods moving things. What has looked like maybe devastation is actually getting new, you're getting a new foundation in your home. 
having some new carpet put in, some new things. We got used to some things. And he's like, let's get rid of it. Let's start over. Let's get some new stuff going. So some fresh anointing. So as mom and dad come, um, I just want to pray over this service. It's probably not our typical family introduction. But um, let's just stand for a second. I do, I feel like there is just so much value on what's coming. I almost can't even think about the week that dad has. I don't even really know about it, but what I do know makes me super emotional. And I'm honestly annoyed because I thought I know how to be emotional. I know how to control my emotions. I know how to steward them. I'm not led by my emotions. And then he's like, and you don't know anything. And I'm going to teach you how to be emotional. And we have a mother and father who are willing to go before us and just step out boldly on those things that he's called us to. So Yahweh, we thank you for tonight. I thank you for this mother and father, not only over this home, but over this region, who so madly (laughs) have fallen in love with you and chase after you and cause a hunger and a stirring in our family that we won't settle for being just a believer who knows of you but that this family is hungry. So I just ask for just an engagement with with so many things that we're not even aware of yet. That tonight we would begin to interact with more of you, more of who you are, more of your characteristics. We ask that you would just unleash on us. As scary and maybe as intimidating as that can be because I thought I knew who you were and you're wrecking all of it. I ask that you would just show our family more and more of you tonight. And we invite you to just come and just be with us. And, and we just are excited to, to just participate in finding out more of who you are through the example of our spiritual parents. And we thank you. We thank you for placing them in this home. We thank you for uh, the bold way that they run after you. I thank you that they weren't willing to stop at being believers and they wanted to chase hard after who you really are. I thank you that that is what permeates in this family and that because of our mother and father that, um, that this home looks different. It's changed. It's it's returning to its original intent. And because of that, our city and those affected by the, the sound that comes from this home, they are, we're changing. We just honor you for, um, for all that you tear down in us, all that you flood out, all that you wash away so that we can meet you in a new way. And we thank you for that tonight in Yeshua's name.
Pasta was not a good idea. <clears throat> I'm over there <clears throat> drinking an energy drink, and I never do that past 3 o'clock because I won't sleep tonight. But with that, after that pasta, I'm like, I don't care. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm thankful that we have a family that presses in because I don't know if we would... We wouldn't have a, I don't know if platform's the right word, but we wouldn't have a place to release, um, let me try to think how to say this. When I engage or when I study, I'm, I'm like just not here, right? So then when I come to earth in order to pour out, like that water she was pouring, when he says taste and thirst no more because I am that living water, it's easy to look at a, a, a thing like that and say, oh, well, he poured out. But that water that he pours out, it, it's not just, oh, that was a good drink of water. That was like a, whoa, that way. It, it, it quenches something that's never been quenched before. And so when you're tasting something like that, there's an aspect of becoming the cup, a vessel that can carry that type of quenching, I don't even think I'm saying that right, water. Is this making sense? This isn't like, a, I mean, on earth, it would be like pouring out steaks. Or, it, I mean, water just seems so like water, but it would be like the most extravagant, I have never smelled this before. I've never tasted this before. I have never been this full and satisfied before and sustained and whatever could be in that cup, right? But at some point you have to become the cup and you have to, you have to actually pour it out. So I'm thankful for a family that presses in because I would not be able to come back to earth and pour out that kind of water if you were not a cup ready for that kind of extravagance. Is that, it's like, there's a, it, it, there's a, a matching in frequency. Have you ever hung out with somebody and they're just like weighing you down? You're like, I have been all in this joy and then you start hanging out with someone and you were like, what is wrong with what is going? <clears throat> and then you just start to, right? Or, or, or the other way, you're in a bad mood or you're really irritated and then you get around somebody that's just totally full of life and you're like, yeah, yeah, keep going. And then your frequency starts to get up. It's like that. It's like you, you start to, if, if you didn't lean in, there's an aspect of your frequency that matches us is what I'm saying. So if your frequency is really low or I don't really want this or that water isn't gonna flow very far. But if you're empty or hungry or whatever that looks like and you match, there's so much to pour out. I say that to preface tonight uh, because the father of the house is really nervous. <laughs> like I, he's genuinely freaking out about tonight. Look at his face. <clears throat> and he's not even putting up the mic to like 
like, you know, normally he'll like add something. He's just like, "Mm mm-mm. Last week we talked about a lot of, we did a, a really good recap of where we've been. But we also talked about the reason why we need to safeguard where we're going. And tonight what we're gonna talk about is where we're going, which has a lot to do with covenant, has a lot to do with the more, it has a lot to do with going beyond being satisfied. It has a lot to do, and, and the honor that comes for, for me, if I could say this, we all would not be here We would not be listening to this podcast. We wouldn't be tuning into live and we would not be sitting in this room, if I can say it this way, if we wanted to be under the typical pastoral leadership that is bitter, hard, and irritated at the church because there's no power and they're doing the same thing over and over and over again. So they create codependency, so they pour out the same water so that you can pour the same water so that you can pour out the same water. So then so it's just like, that feels really good. And you're just backwashing the same water over and over and over again. Okay? Now, I'm not knocking if you call somebody a pastor or if there's a church who has a pastor. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the international church at large that is not walking in signs and wonders. Now, most of you would amen signs and wonders, yes? What if I told you signs and wonders is the first step in salvation? Signs and wonders is the teaspoon on top of Mount Everest. We're not even walking in signs and wonders, and that's the teaspoon on top of Mount Everest. There is an entire Mount Everest that is available to us, and signs and wonders is just the beginning. Salvation. You get saved, and nothing has meaning. He just heals you, and you just glory glitter, and what you know, and you just nothing. Those are signs and wonders. That's the beginning. And we're seeing a church that is complacent and irritated and bitter and hard and frustrated at the programs that aren't working. And so then what happens is, is then now you're not walking in any signs and wonders and you're definitely not walking in anything else because signs and wonders is the beginning. What I'm trying to say is, is that you can have a program or an organization that's trying to obtain a sign or a wonder, right? And then when the sign and wonder doesn't happen, you get mad at God. So then it just perpetuates. Well, then I got to try harder and I got to work. I got to figure this out. And I got to, and so you just keep going and going and going. And that's not the rabbit that we're supposed to be on. Something that happened in this family, uh, I hope I'm prefacing this well. Something that happened in this family is that uh, Yahweh shifted us drastically when he opened up our eyes and said, you have been given all authority and power. Remember, you have been given all authority and power. You need to take responsibility for the earth I gave you. Because before it was, you you can do it. Or I'm going to be mad at God because he didn't do it. So this is what has happened in our family. In the old, we would say, Yahweh, why are there car accidents and evil on this earth? And Yahweh's like, son, Why are there car accidents and evil on this earth? God, why is, why are people not getting healed? Daughter, why are people not getting healed? 
a drastic thing happened because we were in this perpetual thing of wanting a sign and a wonder. God, you do it. God, you do it. Oh, he didn't do it. So then you walk around irritated at God and all, and then you just, okay, well then if he's not going to do it, then I guess I'll create a program that will. And then hopefully we'll be able to manage that, that sign and wonder that we're looking at. And what Yahweh did in our family is he said, signs and wonders are the beginning. And so I say all of that because in this family, we have learned to understand that if all authority and power has been given to us, you can't just use that for your convenience and then not accept the responsibility of all authority and power. And so there's an aspect of uh, saying all of that is that the honor that I want to bring is that we're in a family that you have someone who is willing to say, is there more beyond the tools that I've used? I don't know if we understand the gravity of that. Because what I'm trying to point out is that if you didn't have that, you would just be back in the old system. You would be back in a system with the same teaching, with the same tools, with the same stuff, another wave of people coming in with the same tools, with the same stuff, and you have a father that's willing to say or allow Yahweh to say, up till this point, that is an old tool and you will no longer be allowed to use it. And then for him to disciple and pour that out on a family that will learn to grow so that they don't have to go through what he went through in an old tool because in this era, that's not gonna work anymore. Does that make sense? So I'm prefacing all of this because there's, a, there's a, an honor that I want to acknowledge that this is what moving from glory to glory looks like. This is what saying I want more looks like. Most of the time you have a remnant of people. You guys have all seen it. There's a big remnant of people in the beginning. There's gotta be more. Give me more of God. And then you say something like Lucifer was filled with jewels. And then they're like, not that more of God. Right? Like it's not, it's, it's just, I mean, does that make, you can say something, I want more of God, and then you say something, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, that's not the more I wanted. So there, what I mean by that is we say that we want more, but that more is a narrow of narrow. It is searching out. It is going beyond. Amen? So we don't know exactly what tonight's going to look like. We, <laughs> we do know that Yahweh has asked us to release a process that is brand new and fresh as of two weeks ago to be able to release so that we can... It's going to be the foundation of where we're going because it's oneness. Can I say that? So if I could say it this way, religion says get in your prayer closet because it's all God. Religion says, God, you do it. Self-righteousness says, I will do it, okay? We can pendulum swing from religion and be like, I'm a son and I'm gonna do it. 
But if you do that outside of understanding that he resides in you, the one new man, the oneness, and the covenant that's coming is there is no more separation. I am a son in him, and I am seated at the right hand of the Father all the time, 24-7, and how I operate is him in me. And there's a togetherness that's coming. Because when you, when you come out of religion and you're used to saying, God, you need to do this, and then you understand the responsibility and God says, you need to do this. You can easily fall into, well, then I'm going to do it. And that's not what he's saying. He's saying, you're going to do it because I've given you all authority and power. And so what's going to come tonight is a testimony of how that oneness is going to come together. I think. Does that make sense? You still scared? <sighs> so, this might all sound, I mean, that was a great, like, launching into this. And uh, I'm feeling, uh, well, for the last two weeks since we've had this, We'll call it a breakthrough. I, I would say um, breakthrough isn't necessarily the right terminology, but since two weeks ago, had an encounter with Yahweh, and ever since then, uh, I've been able to have a level of retrospect on my life or on the last 20 years that I've never had. It's almost like uh, as she was talking, Yahweh was just giving me an image of going on a 20-year journey and getting to the peak of a mountain and turning around and seeing from a bird's-eye view where you've been. But while you're going on that journey, you don't have that perspective until you get to a higher place and you can turn around and see, you know, from an airplane, oh, that's what that looks like. Um and so you're going to have to bear with me because I, I'm, I am, I've been completely overwhelmed thinking about all of this for the last two weeks. Um, and so I don't even know where to start. But in prayer, I was uh, just, just thinking about all this. He gave me kind of some context and he took me to the book of Isaiah and he took me to five chapters in that book to kind of summarize or give give me or help me to understand the path that we've been on. So now we're on the peak of this mountain and Yahweh turned me around and he's showing me where I've been and he's giving me context to what that journey has been kind of framed by to help me understand what I need to, to work through to move forward. And so I guess tonight is kind of a testimony and part of the reason why I'm somewhat overwhelmed is because what I've trained myself or learned or conditioned myself over the last 20 years is to not talk about myself. And part of that is because there's been such a huge demand of, of just devastation or depravity that needed attention to where that was never even a thought in my mind. Well, I'm going to get, I want to, Kendra, can we get together? Because I got to just tell you what's going on with me. Right? There's never time for that. So this is weird. 
This is weird. Um, in Isaiah 6, so... And this is even interesting because as he was taking me back to this, he was highlighting accusations that we've been confronted with and just totally breaking them. Um, it was interesting because... <clears throat> So when we got we got saved around the same age, I was 19. Were you 19 or 20? Around 19 or 20. <clears throat> and so we got engaged um, during that time, around the same time we got saved. I was living in Tucson going to U of A, and she was living here going to NAU. And this, is, this isn't something I've ever thought about. This is clarity that Yahweh's given me over the last two weeks. The retrospect that I'm talking about, that we're at the peak and turning around and he's explaining things that I've never, it's never crossed my mind. So uh, one of the first definitive things that I heard, I heard the voice of Yah. And one of the first things he said was, if you're going to get married, you need to move to Flagstaff so that you can grow together. Because at the time, like I said, I was in Tucson, she was in Flagstaff. Newly born again, and he made that very clear. If you're gonna grow together, if you're gonna have a covenant together, you need to move to Flagstaff. And what the Lord was showing me in that was, I had the first cup, right? I had experience being born again. I had access to everything we've talked about as a believer. I had access to all of that, but he put a conditional assignment on me to safeguard a covenant. And that was the first thing I heard him say. He, he told me, if you want to safeguard your covenant, you have to move to Flagstaff. And what was interesting is he was highlighting that to me that it wasn't just about an instantaneous interaction of being born again, but he, the first thing I heard him say was an assignment to safeguard covenant. And that involved, and, and the, the way that I was gonna do that, the actual assignment was move to Flagstaff, which I didn't wanna do. Um, I had traveled up here, I had been up here, and there was nothing about Flagstaff that was appealing to me. Um, but another thing he highlighted about that was was Flagstaff. The fact that this city yeah. that he called me to is named Flagstaff. Literally named for being founded upon uh, uh, bearing a standard. And I used to always be like, of all places you could send me. Flagstaff, like I, I just. <laughs> Does anybody else like, like he sent me here? I didn't just travel through and think like, oh, this is nice, you know, maybe I'll live here one day. And so I, I kind of want to go back to the beginning of this past twenty-year period and give you kind of a testimony. Not because I desire to do it, but I feel like I have to do it in order to 
step into a place and I'll, and I'll explain more why at the end of this, why this is important and how it differs from a pattern that we've seen of people that start off well-intentioned, mm-hmm. obedient, and then they go down a path and they get to a place to where they, they're overcome by pride or isolation or shame or guilt. Mm-hmm. And what started off as a well-intentioned yeah. trajectory yeah. ends up as something that just falls apart. Out of, in a devastating way. Mm-hmm. And so if I, if I didn't think that this was changing or shifting some of that, I wouldn't even waste my breath up here talking about the last 20 years of our life. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even, it would be a waste of time. And so in Isaiah 6, and I'm going to explain this later too, it starts out in the year of King Uzzah's death. You can read Isaiah 6, uh, 1 through 8, but what I want to highlight at this point is that, I'll summarize it for you. Basically, Isaiah, in an encounter, in a moment, he witnessed the glory of God. Angels took a hot coal off the altar and touched his mouth, and they broke off sin and iniquity off of Isaiah's life. And in the same interaction, they said, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And he said, here I am, said me. All at once. Like he, he, his life flipped from darkness and iniquity to whom shall I send, send me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In one moment. And I say that because this is what Yahweh was showing me. We're sitting on top of the peak and he's showing me the beginning of the journey. And that's what he said. Because everything in my heart is that. Right. You have the you if you look at that experience, you can look at believer versus disciple and you can't separate the two. He was he was he had an encounter. You could say he was born again. And in the same moment, he was given an assignment. If you ever hear the Lord say, whom shall I send? That's an opportunity that's an invitation when he says, whom shall I send? And he's, he's saying that constantly. Whom shall I send? And it's an opportunity and a privilege to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Who will go for us to go do what I've assigned you to do? Mm-hmm. So I feel like this was kind of the dynamic at the beginning of the journey. And this will all make sense, hopefully, when I get to the end of why we need to do or why Yahweh's doing this work. And let me preface it also that nothing about what I'm saying is, is special, okay? There's nothing about our struggles or our trials that's any worse than anybody else's, okay? And this is, this is what's weird to me because I, I am not, like I've never, I've never spent time to talk about this. I'll probably say that five more times because I don't like it, but um, nothing about, there's, there's nothing special about this, but it's, it's when Yah tells you to do something and how you respond to it that's important because there's something about him turning me to look at my own journey and telling me what I need to do about it is what's important. And so... For me personally, since the beginning, this is the dynamic that I, this is in my DNA. 
whenever there's a call for service that goes out, I will be the first one. When I was in law enforcement, literally a call would get dispatched and it's called a call for service. And when I trained officers, I would train them. I would tell them day one, minute one, their first time in a patrol car on a real shift, I would say when the call comes out, you better be the first one to answer the call. And I would hound it and I would pound it into their minds. And I can guarantee you the guys that I train that are still there, they're training their trainees the same way. I guarantee it. Because to me, I just always had that urgency. That's how much it's in my DNA. So Isaiah 6, this is the dynamic that started our relationship so much so that when Yahweh said, in order to safeguard your covenant, you need to move to Flagstaff. Absolutely, no problem. You know, that wasn't an issue. We immediately made arrangements to make that happen. And so this, this is the beginning of our journey. And you, if, if you need to jump in and like bring stuff together. I don't know where you're going. I don't either. Um, so we're talking about a 20-year span. And if you look at Isaiah, okay, let me, let me just say this. this. This is all, everything I'm saying is what Yahweh was showing me is in my identity. I identify with these things. Things that I, I cannot stand is cowardice, complacency, or injustice. I can't, like, everything in me confronts that. And basically what's happened over 20 years is that we've been put in situations. Let me tell you, when the Lord says, whom shall I send? And you answer and you say, send me. Your assignment is going to come with repeated accusations. Right? Because what he wanted the prophet Isaiah to do was to deal with and address the cowardice, the complacency, and the injustice. And I don't know if you guys know, but when you're called to confront those things, you're not the favorite. People are not a fan of yours. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yahweh is, is saying... Who is going to go for us and address the breaches of the people? People don't want their breaches called out. So anyway, when you talk about these things, I feel like, and I identify with this, and this is where I, I struggle to even grasp what he's doing because all I've known is this for the last 20 years, is whom, whom shall I send? And it's crickets. Right? Generally speaking. If I, if I said right now, there's a group of people downtown and we need to go call them out for their injustice, their complacency, their cowardice, who's going to go? Right? Okay, maybe this family, we'd all roll now. up. We'd roll down there. Okay, but generally speaking, it's going to be like crickets. You're talking about the last 20 years. So over the last 20 years, I have 
perceived myself, okay? I'm not saying this is right. I've perceived myself in situation after situation after situation after situation where it's surrounded by cowardice and justice and complacency, where something needs to be done and somebody has to stand in a place to represent the standard. And I've said to myself over and over again, send me. And so over a period of time, over 20 years of doing that repeatedly, I've conditioned myself to have thick skin because when you're called to, to do things like that, you have to have thick skin because that type of assignment is going to bring a heavy accusation that's going to come with it. And so one of the things that I know about myself is that if there's an assignment and I know that the one who's sending me on the assignment and nobody else is willing to do it, and my heart is to do it, I could care less what the result is of me stepping in the assignment and fulfilling that assignment. If people cry about it, I don't care. Right? I haven't cared. If it reeks, if it causes all kinds of waves and destruction and the house falls apart that's built upon a foundation of complacency or injustice, I don't care how much people loved it. Right? Because you, I, in my experience, I've had to walk in a way to have thick skin to not care. Not saying I don't have compassion because the compassion drives me to not care, if that makes any sense. <laughs> and like I said, okay, this is what I'm perceiving my walk, and I'm not saying it's right, okay? I'm just testifying about our last 20 years and the process, and this is Yahweh pointing out to me what's going on, okay? This is what you were thinking, okay? <laughs> and so... Is this, uh, hopefully this is making sense, okay? Like I said, I've never done this, so this is weird for me, but. When. It's almost to the point to where up until two weeks ago, until I've had this greater perspective from him, up until two weeks ago, I just walk in a manner that whatever situation we're put in, there's going to be a call there's going to be a call for service and most likely we will be either alone or accompanied by a, one or two other people in answering a call that needs to be answered for the sake of the people. That's just how I've walked around. And as an officer, when I was an officer, this for the first 13 years of these 20 years, um, you know, I was, I, I had faith. There wasn't anybody else that had faith at the time that I was working with. And generally when something stressful would happen or uh, something that everybody had to really work through or deal with, most people turned to drinking or going and, you know, partying or all this stuff. And so I really didn't have anybody to talk to about those things. I could talk to my wife about it somewhat uh, before she would, it would be too much. Um, but you're talking about, you know, all the devastation and depravity and child abuse and death and suicides and all of this stuff. 
and I couldn't talk to anybody about it. And so even that was one of those things where it was just like, I'll just deal with it myself. I got to the point to where I could respond to a scene and see a dead body, somebody who was deceased from all kinds of different things, and it really wouldn't faze me. In fact, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's, it sounds weird, but you would almost have to develop a sense of humor about things. Not that death was funny, but you would, in and of yourself, you would have to find a mechanism to deal with things, right? And then I would go home and I would go to bed while my family's asleep and wake up the next morning and just go about your business, right? Um... There was a time when a, a squad mate of ours, totally unexpected, took his own life. And when he did it, our squad was on duty and we responded to his house. That was an extremely tough situation. Um, the squad resorted to drinking and the sergeant, I remember him telling me, you're religious, right? I need you to help these guys find some type of direction through the midst of all this stuff. And even that was, all right, you know, you, you have to step in a place because of the demand. And so, you know, I, I don't need to go into all the stories, but just the amount of calls, a call for service, right? An opportunity to serve comes out and you just go, you answer, right? That's, that's me, that's us. That's what God has put in our identity. Now, What's interesting is uh, throughout my career, we would come to church every Sunday. You would think church would be a place where you could take all that and, and leave it. And I'm not saying that I didn't do that at the altar. I'm saying literally in, in, the, in the practical, you would think it would be a place where you could take it. But what actually ended up happening is the church took where I was at and, and solidified it even more. And I'll, I'll share with you a scripture, but this, these type of things, pick, pick one, pick any combination of these things, and you'd see it. You'd see it all over the church in general, generally speaking. And so when a call for service would come out, there would be barely... Barely a response or no response. When a, a, a newly married couple would be struggling with adultery or pornography or molestation in their family or whatever, you name it, and, and they would be crying out for help, crickets. Right? Who, who's, who in here wants to take the next... Uh, series the next two years of counseling with the family that's dealing with uh let's say the husband uh, find out he's a pedophile who wants to walk that family through the next two three years of life who wants to do it right you're not gonna nobody's yeah sign me up right it's not like the potluck or the or or uh handing out plates on saturday Right? Sounds crazy, but none of this is anything that wasn't, I mean, we had these situations and it's like the church wasn't equipped because you don't answer the call, you don't answer the call, you don't answer the call. And then when that call continues to come out, you're not equipped to handle it because you never started answering the calls in the first place. 
And so it, it might sound weird to talk about the church this way, but if you turn to Isaiah 22, if you read through chapter 22, there's a, there's a depiction, there's a, there's a story in there about a guy named Shevna who was put in place of authority and given keys to steward a community. He was put in place to steward the community. He was given the keys. And ultimately what he ended up doing was taking from the families, taking from their households to build up and secure his own place. Right? How, how, I mean, we can probably all relate in some way, shape, or form about somebody who's been given a position of authority. They've been given t uh, keys to steward something, and they take that, and instead of stewarding what they were supposed to and using the authority in the way that they were supposed to use it, they used it for their own benefit. Right? And so in Isaiah 22, what Yahweh does is he sends a prophet named Eliakim to deal with Shevna. He takes his keys, keys are given to Eliakim, and he, he resets order in this community that's being robbed from. And I can tell you right now that the thing that scares me the most is the level of responsibility to steward people's lives because Yahweh, it also says in the scripture, he will deal harshly with the shepherds because of the level of responsibility that they have. So when you see abuse in the church, whether it's emotional or spiritual or physical or manipulation or whatever it is, there is a, a very high price that's going to be paid as far as accountability for that. So like I said, when I uh, fast forward to when I resigned from law enforcement at 13 years and I've conditioned myself to deal with a suicide or a dead body or uh, putting somebody in prison, whatever, dealing with these high-stress situations, and then 20 minutes later, I could be checked off and sleeping fine. And I would always joke about that. I will not lose sleep over this. People would, would try to get me riled up, and I would put them in prison for seven years or, uh, you know, ruin their life or whatever, right? They would accuse me of all these things because of my assignment, the accusation comes with that, and I condition myself to the point to where you can accuse me night and day, okay? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. You can accuse me night and day, and it literally does not affect me. I don't care, okay? <laughs> now, like I said, I'm not, this is not me preaching like how we should handle things, okay? <laughs> this is me, I had to condition myself in a way that served a purpose. I, it was survival. And you can talk to any first responder, any law enforcement, any military, and they'll identify with the same thing. And it doesn't even have to be that. You could be, you could be a, a church survivor. <laughs> you could be in the church for 25 years, and you could have conditioned yourself the same way. Um. Think about all his stories and think about it spiritually. When he says that you should be able to get reprieve in the community of believers 
and then you're pushed away because death is just, that's just too much. It, it, it does something because it solidifies what, what, what he's talking about is over the last 20 years, there was a way that he, there was a way that he walked that helped him deal with seeing suicide. But in the spirit, it's the same thing. You can go into the bathroom in a building and you see spiritual suicide right there and you got everyone going, right? Sunday morning, hey, how are you doing? Good, it's good. While you're looking at a zombie, you're looking at domestic violence. You're looking at somebody that has uh, marriage issues and COVID. Yeah, amen. And you leave. So the one that sees it, your condition, this could be for any gift. This happens to be law enforcement. You prophetic, what do you see? I have a son that sees over and over and over and over again to the point where I'm, uh, it gets to the point where you just condition it, turn it off. Or, Or you're conditioned up to a point where all you see is the suicide versus seeing the gold and the life and the after. And this is, this is why he's talking about the last 20 years because of where we're going is something completely different. One of the things that we found ourselves doing two weeks ago, we were eating breakfast. And we were at the inn where Missy works and Diana was working there and she said, hey, I prayed over your table and she was giving us breakfast and everything. Dangerous. And, uh, and so as we were eating breakfast, one of the, this was part of this breakthrough. One of the things that started to happen is I was just starting to talk about this last year and how angry I've been this last year with just all kind. Pick, pick anything. I have this long list of things that I've been just angry about. And this, this is all, this is real, right? Like a lot of, you, you may not have a whole lot of people that are willing to get up as a steward or a pastor or somebody who's spiritually mature, whatever, and say, this last year I've been angry. Like I was the guy in Whole Foods during this COVID lockdown and I had had it up to here with people trying to call me out for not, okay, this is just me, okay? Can I say this? Can I talk about this? <laughs> because I, I, I almost feel like, you know, we're sitting up on the peak and I'm reflecting on the journey and Yahweh's like, he, he's, he's, he's walking me through this process of reflection. Okay, this is part of it. I had had, I had felt led myself personally. I don't care whether people wear a mask or not or get vaccinated or not, right? But for me, because I think that way, I couldn't, I couldn't stand it when somebody who doesn't know me comes up to me and says, where's your mask? You should have a mask on, blah, 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 blah. Okay. <laughs> My blood pressure is going up as I'm talking about this right now. <laughs> And initially for about four or five months, I just, you know, everybody's crazy. Everything is nuts right now. And if somebody came up to me, I would just walk off. I have a lot of patience. I have a lot of self-control. I would just walk off. And at some point I just decided the next person that walks up to me, 
I'm just, and this is, this is another thing that I learned how to do, and a lot of people don't know me this way, but when I was a cop, if somebody, if we, if there was mutual respect, we were all good. If somebody decided to come sideways and, and take it up a notch, I would go way up, right? Like, that's how cops do it. You escalate, I escalate even higher, right? You're, you're, and so <laughs> I kind of reverted back to that. If somebody makes a scene and they come, come into my, right? Like, mind your business. If you come in and you want to tell me something, I'm just going to make a big old scene out of it. I don't even care. And I would never, right? That's not normal, right? I'm not, I don't complain like when the food's cold. I, I don't, I'm not like that. But I had literally, I was literally, I was already at my wits end with another situation that involved all these dynamics before this all started. School system. Any, I'm just calling out systems. It's the okay, system we're talking about that you're trusting and the school system fails and then the church system fails and then the religious system fails and law enforcement fails. I mean, talk about being alone. It's not just the, even the people that would send him to the call would be like, you, you get it. Then when it was time for them to back him up because they're the higher ups, it was like, mm, I'm due, I got paperwork. So then you're totally alone. You're trying to answer a call and the one that's sending you is like, I don't got your back. Then you go into this system. Then you go into the school system. Don't got your back. You, you, so then you just, you start to, I don't care. I'm all alone. Nobody's got, nobody's got my back. So system meaning there's things set in place. There's people set in place. They're given authority to make judgments. They're given keys. They're, they're supposed to be advocates for people that cannot advocate right. for themselves. And they don't fulfill that role. Right. As any staff member in a school district, you're supposed to be an advocate for a child who can't advocate for himself or herself. And the situation that we were involved in was egregious. Egregious abuse was taking place within the school property. And all, I don't even know, 12 adults from the, the school staff up the chain into the district who were all supposed to be advocating for multiple children were looking at me like I was crazy. I felt like I had to advocate for all these kids, for the kid who was doing the abuse, his, his home, what's happening at his home. And you want to know what they told me? Well, your case has been sustained, so why are you worried about all these other kids? That's what they told me. Mm -hmm. This was going into COVID. This was like pre-COVID, <laughs> right? Like this was the... That's still not resolved because, COVID, you know, people can't, we can't get together with people. Um, so when we're talking so about systems. So now you're the guy at Whole Foods causing the scene. Okay, let me qualify <laughs> that too, okay? <laughs> I had been in. I just decided I'm not wearing a mask anywhere. If a business says you're not allowed in, I respect that, right? Because I'm, I do have, I'm not just going all buck wild and rowdy and disrespecting people. If a business says you're not allowed in, I would go somewhere else, right? But those that did let me in, like, I'm like, don't let me in 
right. and then give me grief about it. Just don't let me Story in there. Story of our life lets you in the system. Then when you show up, you're like, that ain't what I, that, mm -mm. I don't like the way you came in here. You let me in. So I walked in Whole Foods one day, they had their policy on the door. You can wear a mask, you can, um, I can't remember the, the second option, or you can get a health screening and come in. <laughs> so the lady stopped me, she was very nice. She said, oh, sir, you don't have a mask. And I'm like, yeah. And she said, would you, would, do you wanna do a health screening? And I said, what is that? I just take your temperature and ask you questions. Fine, let's do that. <laughs> and uh, so I did, I did their policy. I did their screening at the front of the store. They had somebody posted up taking people's temperatures and I went in. And I had three employees get in my face and say, where's your mask? And at, at, that was the day that I was like, you know what? Um, but I, I, the first lady that did it, I wait, she went in the back. I waited for her to come out. That's not like me. Okay? I'm not out looking for confrontation. You guys all know me. I'm the most patient person. This lady got in my face, and this was after months of this. I, she went in the back employee's area. I waited for her to come out. Because I was going to, no, if you're going to start a conversation crazy like that, let's, let's have a conversation. She didn't come out. I waited five minutes. I needed to go, so I, le I, I left. Second employee comes up giving me grief or whatever, and I said, you know what? I'm going to talk to a manager up front. I get to the register with the plexiglass thing, and this girl who's like 20, she, she goes like this. She's so mad. She goes around the plexiglass. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, sir. And she's giving me this whole story about how there's, you know, elderly relatives dying and we're just trying to work. And I'm just like, I just stopped her. <laughs> I said, get your, I don't want to hear it. Get your manager up here. And she's like, well, we're kind of busy. I said, well, you better get her up here then because I was blocking the people were looking at me, right? I'm the only one without a mask. Everybody's looking at me and I'm starting to get loud enough to where everybody's like everybody's looking what's going on and I'm like this employee over here that lady over there this this register lady right here I'm not listen I'm 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 not the one that's going to be that guy normally okay when I was working I would operate like this on shift well At the same time, I did a ride along and I watched the patients. I mean, there's people in his face saying, you N-word. And he's cool, calm, and collective. He's just like, sir, you know, turn around, handcuff him. Sometimes he's praying for him on the way to prison. They're getting saved right before they get into prison. I mean, he had testimonies. He was like, this big old guy, he choked me out, and he had staph infection. And he's like, he came to Jesus. I, he didn't choke me out. Oh, I choked him out. You choked him. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he choked him out, but then he was freaking out because he was afraid of staph infection. I don't know. But I mean, the, I mean, there was high intense situations, but not out of control. It was, uh, it was a controlled situations. So just to, you're not that guy. <laughs> 
So, I mean. <laughs> and this is the narrow of narrow. Until you are. And what? Less than nine months later, Yahweh says, I want that. Most men would be like, that served me. That served me. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep causing scenes. I'm going to keep getting hard. I'm going to keep showing them who's boss. And Yahweh said, uh-uh. That's why he's telling this story, not because it's the way to do it, but because Yahweh is so on him that the moment he gets to the point where it's like, that served you and now you go too far, that's going to be bad, and stops him. And that is when most people will say, but that served me and I don't want to let go for what's next. And that's what I meant by the honor of one that would say, and I'm willing, I'm assuming you're gonna get to that part of the story. I'm willing all this that served me, I am willing because send me, I'll be sent again in the stripping and I'm willing to do it again. Like I said, you guys have to bear with me because if I start getting fired up, you might rein me in a little bit. So after 13 years, right, I'm conditioned a certain way. I've, I've disciplined myself to be able to be patient in the midst of all kinds of chaos. And, but not a lot of people. It, so the next community that we were intimately involved in besides the law enforcement community was the church every week, right? We were, a, we were, I'll say a staple because we were always there in church every Sunday. We were involved, we were active, doing ministry, stuff like that. But like I said, that wasn't, it wasn't an environment where I could, let's say, get together with a group of guys or even a, a couple of men and, and who I was in close relationship with and say, man, I need to talk about this stuff from this week. It wasn't that type of environment. And so... It wasn't, it wasn't geared towards somebody carrying all that or carrying whatever. Uh, if, if somebody was prostituting themselves and they were ready to, to, to turn their life for good and they were bringing their meth and their drugs to the altar to leave it there, it wasn't an environment for that because those people were kicked out. Okay? It goes back to Isaiah 22, 22. People who are given authority and judgment, right, as a king and keys to steward something to help others and they don't use that authority and that judgment in that way that it's supposed to be used. And so transitioning from law enforcement into the pastoral community... <laughs> started this whole, it was all familiar, this whole cycle was all familiar because we didn't grow up in church, we didn't grow up uh, in ministry, we weren't, we were, we went to, we were Catholic, we went to the Catholic church like three times a year. And so transitioning into being in a place where the, the pastoral community it got to a place where it was the same thing, being invited into a place. How did you say it? You're welcomed in, but then when you show up, it's no, I didn't, I didn't. Right, oh, we didn't think it was gonna look like that. 
Okay, now remember, if, if a call for service goes out, okay, the way it works as an officer, when a call for service goes out, you can't uncall it. If Amber calls the police, you can't uncall them. They have to come. They're coming. So that's how, that's how we operate. That's how we operated. Whom, whom shall I send? Send me. There's no, oh, never mind. Never mind. Right? That doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Okay? So there's a call for service that goes out within the church community, and we answer the call. We're trusted to answer the call. We're given the authority. We're given the, the uh, authority to, to make judgments. But then when we actually start stepping out on that, it's like, no, 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 wait a second. Because you have people taking resources from those they're supposed to protect and stepping up and securing something else on their own behalf. I'm speaking generally. We've seen this pattern. We've seen it time after time to the point to where when Isaiah 6 says, in the year King Uzzah died, that's important because King Uzzah did 52 years of, of rule and authority and he did it in honor of Yahweh. His reign was, was good in the sight of Yahweh's eyes. But it ended badly because his pride got a hold of him. It actually, if you read the whole story, it's, it's a short amount of scriptures. But he was known as a strong king. His name actually means Yahweh is my strength. He was strong. He did many good things for the Lord. Right? But his strength became his weakness. Him being strong mm -hmm. became his weakness, and his reign ended badly. He ended up with leprosy on his forehead because he was in the, in the temple trying to do things that he wasn't supposed to be doing. Okay? So when you talk about Isaiah 6, and Isaiah the prophet is being given an assignment, and it's, in the, it's, it's describing or starting off with King Uzzah dying. This brings me to the point to where we actually had a leader with authority and judgment, right? A king and a priest who's supposed to be devoted to the Lord, inviting us into something. And when we were doing what we were invited to do, they accused us, you're going to die like Uzzah. Basically saying, Uzzah, who was put in a place of authority at a young age, you're gonna, your, your ministry is going to end terribly right are we kings and priests are you a king and a priest mm -hmm. what comes with that accusation right Uzzah was a king but he was not a priest he stepped into the holy place and tried to lift up incense to the Lord and at that time he couldn't do that we live in a different dynamic and I had somebody telling me, you haven't consecrated yourself enough. You don't have enough faith. You're not welcome in the holy place. And you can't intercede on behalf of others. You don't have that place to do that. And this is what I'm talking about. When you answer the call for an assignment, get ready. Right? But I had, we had seen this situation over and over and over again with multiple institutions, different places, different people of all different uh, associations. And 
you get an invitation and it even gets to the point to where people would say, hey, we would like you guys to oversee this or establish this. And we're like, <laughs> at one point, somebody tried to give us the financial oversight of their organization. And we said, okay, we're going to lay out a big disclaimer <laughs> because if you're we asking learned. us to do this, we are going to do it completely to the end. And part of the disclaimer was, this is going to be one of the most difficult things that you've ever said you're going to do. No, no, we know, we know. Okay. I even said, I'm willing to be the bad guy because it's going to take somebody who's going to answer the call, who's going to actually do it with fortitude and do it completely and not back up when the press of and all the accusations come, right? Because when you have an assignment, accusations coming, are you going to withstand the pushback that's going to come? If one, if, if somebody in here is called to be on city council, Stephanie was talking about this. She's got a list of all the people that are going to be in positions of authority in our city. It's awesome. When I saw it, I was like, wow, that's really cool. Okay. If, if we just started saying who was going to be in different positions, who's running for mayor next? You better know when you're, when you're pursuing a place of authority and an assignment from the Lord, accusation is going to come. And are you going to have the diligence and the steadfastness and the discipline to stand where he wanted you to stand without getting pushed out of that place? So we found ourselves in these positions over and over and over again and conditioned myself to the point to where, like I said, I could have cared less if me answering the call and fulfilling an assignment from Yahweh, I'm going to do it, and I don't care what it takes. I don't care what it looks like. People can be crying. People can be, you know, dying. People, it, Literally, okay? And that, I know that sounds weird. But there can be situations where what is really taking place is a greater threat than the hurt that you see right in front of your face. And that may not make sense, but when you have an intimate relationship or an intimate invitation into something to have authority, but not everybody knows that situation, when you take action to do what's necessary, other people might think you're crazy. Or they'll think you're cold or you're vicious or whatever. I don't care. Right? This, this is, is where, remember when we were ministering about the threat, the shooter, and the child that's bleeding, and you're judged because you stepped over that child, but you're going to the active shooter, but not everyone sees that full perspective. They just see, how could you step over the bleeding child? And they, you know, and so you're accused of being... Um, you know, whatever, but yet you're, you've got a task that you were sent to. Thankfully, I was never in that situation, but I had made it up in my mind that if I responded to an active shooter in a school and my child was the first one there on the floor bleeding, that I would have to step over them because more people are going to be dying if I stop more people are going to be subject to whatever's going on that I would have to step over my own child and answer to her when I got home or anybody, right? Your children, your children. And I would have to answer, why didn't you help them? 
right? And sometimes there's dynamics where there's a bigger threat that you're aware of when you have an assignment and you can't afford to stop at every little, oh, but this and but that and how could you? You can't do that, right? So I developed a sense of not caring in a practical way, <laughs> okay? <laughs> compassion, yes. But the, the mode of my compassion didn't look like what people wanted it to look like, mm-hmm. okay? And so, like I said, situation after situation after situation of this to where I'm just like, well, we're just walking this walk where uh, not a lot of people want to answer the call and not a, not a lot of people want to deal with what that looks like when somebody answers the call, right? They put out a call for service. They don't know what that really means. A lot of times people would call the police thinking you're going to help one way. And the way that we would help when we get there is not the way they like it. So they don't want you there anymore. Well, too late. Or the domestic violence call that comes out and the wife is saying, come help me. You come, you take the guy away and then she's mad and kicking the cops because she wants, she didn't think that that meant prison. She just thought that, you know, so it's, so it's that situation too where you're called to, a you can't uncall it and then you're there, you're taking care of a situation and they're mad of what you're taking care of. So fast forward to two weeks ago, two weeks ago, (laughs) and uh, for 20 years, right, well, exactly 20 years since I was 19, I have developed this ability to not care. Right, like if a call goes out and something really difficult needs to be done and somebody has to do it, I will do it and I don't care what it takes to do it, okay? Um, and like I said, it served a purpose. I mean, that's part, uh, I, I believe it's part of the reason why we're all sitting here right now because there were situations that required that and I had seen person after person after person after person get involved with something but then bow out for whatever reason. I don't know. But to me, there was a call. There was a responsibility. There was uh, uh, an accountability being being held to something. And people were like, ah, it's too hard. I'm just going to leave. Ah, it's too hard. I'm just going to leave. Well, when we were invited to do that, we knew this will get done completely. I... I However, that happens. And so two weeks ago, we're having breakfast and I'm talking about how angry I've been over the last year, right? I don't ever really talk about that stuff. I don't ever, you know, I don't wake up in the morning, you know what, I'm really mad about whatever. I don't, that's not normal. But because Diana prayed and she's a very powerful intercessor and she prayed over our discussion and she prayed over our room, she, I believe you just like unlocked you know, she moved in obedience and, and was part of the process. And that's what's cool about family, right? Whatever, however she was led to pray, she was obedient. And I believe that was part of the process. And I just started to pour out. I've just been so angry over this last year and talking to her about all the things I'm angry about, you know, and I'm just like, man, what's wrong with me? You know, I'm just like, why? I'm just, I'm angry, and so, was it that same day when we went? Or no, that was before that. So You're running out of time. 
<laughs> is this all making sense? So me and Yahweh are sitting at the top of the mountain and he's showing me all these, right? I, this isn't, hasn't been a conscious thought process throughout the years. This is just something I've internalized and learned how to walk a certain way to deal with accusation. You could, uh, people, this was a, something that we had to talk through a lot. People would be really mad at us and spit in our face. And I'd be like, eh, I don't care. We're, let's go eat dinner. You know, like it didn't matter. Now and, pair, this is his story. Pair this up with someone who didn't have that coping skill. So this is speaking to a bunch of different things because then when you're married and somebody's like, you slut or Jezebel, and he's like, what's for lunch? And I am in a ball, like I'm devastated. There's, there's an aspect to that. Or if he had a coping skill of dealing with something and then I had a voice of how to deal with it, there would be a mutual submission of I would have, I am not like that. I'm, I, I deal with man-pleasing. So I'll give you anything you want. You want me to stop for your little kid? I'll stop for your little kid. I don't care if anyone else dies. So there's two totally different, now I don't mean because I want to do that, I mean because somebody asked me to do it and I'm like, I don't want them to get hurt or offended or reject me, so I'm going to make sure that their kid's okay, even if everyone else, because, so there's an aspect of us having to navigate through law enforcement and religion in two totally different dynamics. So add that to the table as well of trying to work through how you walk. Okay, so this is the... We'll just call it breakthrough. I don't know if it was breakthrough, but right, meaning I don't know if there's a better term. So we're in the hotel room in the morning, and we're discussing some things, and we're talking about things in our marriage and dynamics, and I begin to be overwhelmed with emotion. And that's not ever something that I ever was. I was never overwhelmed with emotion about anything because I could literally just turn it off. And, but... This thick skin, this like bulletproof skin that I've developed over 20 years, it literally felt like Yahweh like scraped it all off of me. And it was over, it was scary. I just began to sob and I couldn't even help it. I was on the bathroom floor and I'm telling her, I don't know what's going on with me right now. I'm, and I felt like, I felt like, not just emotion from that morning was coming up, but 20 years of the suicides and the deaths and the injustice and the complacency and the spitting in my face and the, the accusations and, and the, uh, you're going to die like Uzzah and you should move out of flag and all the invitation and then the rejection. Mm -hmm. Like all at once, I told her, I feel like I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so... I, I, we, I don't even know how long we were sitting there, but I eventually told her, like, we, we need to go somewhere because I can't, I can't, I can't take this. Um, and I think it's important. And the, the only reason why I would take time to say all this is because I believe that, right, most people that, I can honestly say in our situation, the, the things that we were called or assigned to 
right? When it got difficult or when it got hard and it had to do with certain people, those people all started off on a trajectory of, of good intentions, right? They could have even had, they could have been saying the exact same thing we're saying. They could have had the exact same call, the same heart, and they just did what I did mm-hmm. over 20 years and their strength became their weakness and mm-hmm. it ended terribly. And I can honestly say that there are those people that we were called to, assigned to, to deal with certain things like this that didn't start that way, but because they, they, there is so many people not willing to answer the call that when you do, you're usually butting up against somebody who has answered the call and they've become hardened over 20 years. Right. This is why it's important to multiply, and this is why I think it's important whatever God's doing, and I don't like it, because I've actually prided myself on the fact that if something difficult happens and nobody wants to do it, I'm going to do it. If that need is there, I'll do it, and I have no problem with that, and I don't care if everything else falls apart around it. I know that I'm doing what I was asked to do, and I don't care. Right, But you can see how easily that can get to a place to where it can be twisted. And the cool thing about it is I think that Yah's given me grace to turn around and look and talk about what's happened. And this is how you've gotten to the place that you've gotten to. And it's served a purpose. But let's sit down and let's talk about it. And it's almost like he's taking my feet and cleaning my feet and the blood off and the scraping the calluses off and making sure that I'm ready to go for the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. Well, and I wanted to just add the breakthrough and the emotion that came, came out of a revelation. So if I could be, he said we were discussing some things. Obviously, we are at the inn, and we are there for our anniversary, and we are working on us. And what came out of a conversation was the revelation that we have walked 20 years to where this would be like a picture. So there would be a season. It's all you. Then the next season, it's all me. Next season your turn. Next season, okay? So the revelation was, it's either all you or it's all me, but we're never together, okay? What broke in that moment is I am a reflection of Yahweh in his life. So it, fear began to tremble over him that after all this time, the epitome of separation fell on him. After all this time, after all this closeness, after all this obedience, you're telling me I've been operating, it's all me or it's all him, which is the epitome of separation, and it freaked him out. And he said, it is my greatest fear at the end of my life to find out that I did not walk in oneness with my wife. Now hear that, though, in the spirit, to find out at the end of your life, I didn't know you. You never walked in oneness because it was all you or all me. What I mean by that is, is you would think death and all the stories he could tell you that this was harder. It wasn't. This, was, this system was the hardest. 
Here's why. All you, all me is religion. So ultimately what would be produced if this revelation didn't come is the same thing as separation. All you, all me is the epitome of religion. Right? Religion says here's, here's all that I have to offer outside of him. Or you pray and, pray and God's going to do it. It's, it's one, it's, it's either God's going to do it or it's all God's fault, right? Or there's self-righteousness and then there's, I'm going to be the one to do it or I, you know, or it's my fault. And so you're, you're constantly operating in this dichotomy, which is heaven and earth, right? It's all heaven and it's all earth. Can you guys hear like what's happening? I don't know exactly what's happening, but what I'm getting at is whatever's happening in this no more your turn than my turn than your turn. But in this next era, in this one new man, is he's saying together you are going to co-create. You're not going to have to, uh, uh, does that make sense? It's, there's a co-creation that's happening and religion is what says all me or all you. So, the, so what had ultimately came out was, I guess I'll take care of it. I'll, I guess I'll be the one to do it. He's talking about the pastoral community, same thing. COVID hits and we keep meeting and we are like, it's your fault, everyone's dying. And everybody, in our opinion, just got complacent with whatever Facebook was saying and that that's what they needed to do, and they didn't even have a conviction to stand on. We were okay if things closed, but have a conviction, not, not know why. So when nobody could give their why, and then they accused us when we had a strong why, there's just thing after thing after thing after thing that gets to the point, well, then I guess we'll be the ones. I guess I'll do it. But ultimately then, what that turned into could turn into, I believe, I don't believe it ever did, I believe it could, if we kept going, is that then it would be this again. All him and all me. And not understanding the concept of coming together to where you're co-creating together. Does that make sense? <clears throat> that the revelation came from separation. Yeah, and I guess at the end of the day, I mean, when you say you're a disciple and you're hungry for more, <laughs> Like, that's not a, and I think we all know that, but the, the reality when you ask for more of him or you position yourself as a disciple, I'm finding myself at 40 years old, God stripping me of something and showing me, hey, yeah, we made it, okay? We made it to where we were going. You followed me, but there's, we, there's issues we have to address. This isn't going to be, the only way that you walk through the rest of your life because what I'm seeing in retrospect for the first time ever is is a clarity on the last 20 years of my life to where he's shown me this is how you've survived the last 20 years of your life like you've survived this way but there's more than that which means he has to he has to literally strip me of my thick skin to 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 waken me to see that and how many of us, when we say, we want more, Lord, right, more, like usually when you hear people saying that, it's on like a worship YouTube video and they're like, more, Lord. <laughs> but that's real. Yeah. And when you, when you ask, when you say, send me, 
You don't know what that's going to entail. And that's the hard part about it is a lot of times we make up what we think it's going to look like. What we think we know what more is. Then when more happens and it's usually not what we thought it was, that's when people, I'm not doing this. Okay, now can I speak a little bit about what's coming? Because this is what I don't know, but what I, but I do know this. Next week is sending, right? Sending, sending the youth. Can we be thinking about all this? What we're sending them into and how we're sending them. That now, because of this 20 year that has been, uh, an ama- it wasn't wrong, but it will be if we stay there. Uh, what am I trying to say? We're sending them into stepping off of his shoulders to where they don't have to walk that way. They can walk a different way. And they don't have to repeat history is what I'm saying. Then we're going to be camping, correct? Is that the next week? And we're going to be worshiping. We are going to be worshiping and humbling ourselves with how big he is and the creator that he is. Think about co-creation, okay? Then uh, the next week is teaching again. This is what I want us to understand, okay? All that's happened, right, is uh, Yahweh, where does Yahweh live? Right? He, so in him, it, he's in him, okay? In order to birth a community so that nobody would have to walk like that again, because now when you say send me, you don't have to, and you don't need thick skin because you do have a community. You, so, so he would be in law enforcement. Instead of getting healed in the church, they were asking him to be a law enforcement person at church because when the prostitute came, nobody wanted to talk to the prostitute, but the guy with the cop uniform will. So there was never any reprieve. But now that there's a community, the workload gets spread out. Okay? So now there's a whole bunch of law enforcement officers in the spirit that are okay that so do you guys hear what i'm saying okay so yahweh's inside of him okay so he's got the thick skin that got us to this point but now he's birthed a community now he's stripping the thick skin why because yahweh wants to come out so what he showed me was that yahweh is wanting to come out but he couldn't if that thick skin stays so it served a purpose to birth something that has never been seen never been done on the earth before But now that it's here, if he stayed thick, religion would happen again, and it would be hoarding, just like what Missy was talking about with the cup, and Yahweh wouldn't get out, okay? So now he's stripping the thick skin, and he's like, I don't know what this means. Here's what I do know. When we teach again, we're going to be teaching on language, right? And we're going to be teaching on mindsets about language. This is what's coming, okay? He... His emotional stature has been healthy up until this point, right? Yahweh's just now revealing some unhealthy emotions, but we didn't know that before, okay? But here's, (laughs) it's going to be all right. Okay, turn around. Turn around. I don't know if you can see this, but he has scoliosis where his spine is curved, and he has a huge knot right here. And there's certain times where his neck gets kinked, okay? So this is what we're talking about when we stop at signs and wonders. And then we, why didn't you heal me? And he's like, why aren't you healed? So here's what's happening. 
this process that he's going through, co-creating is going to release healing because what's happened is, is while he says, I'm good, the trauma, every suicide, every blood drop, every pastor that has fallen off, every death note, every, uh, every term, I won't say the word, every N-word, every, every, everything is still in his DNA. It's still, it's, it's, and, and then the story, well, I'm all alone. So, okay, so turn around. I guess I'll do it alone. And that trauma, he, I'm fine. I don't, I haven't even thought about the suicide. I didn't even think about my partner killing himself. I didn't even think about the note that said we were going to die by us. I've never even thought about it. His back did. His back was been thinking about it. So then when he goes, well, I guess I'll be the only one. I guess I'll be alone. Keeps feeding it and it becomes this huge knot to the point it becomes cancerous. And then we're like, God, why aren't you healing us? And he's like, I gave you all of the authority and power. Because what's coming is he's going to learn to have a language and create to where an emotional, that thick skin's coming off, to where there's a healing that's coming, that he's going to be healed from scoliosis. He's not going to end up in a wheelchair with MS at age 50. Okay? Because generationally, there are things that we're learning that frequencies and trauma, whether you say you're good or not, like religion, I'm fine. It's being held in your body. And he's given us the authority and the power to be able to speak to those things with our mindset, with our language, to be able to begin to move those hard things that are within our body and actually release Yahweh out into the earth and heal. This is everything I was talking about last week where it's not going to be this big altar call and sermon. It's going to be like a, hmm. and you're going to begin to move. You're going to release trauma and you're going to begin to move energy to that spot and you're going to release his love into the DNA that has been accused. You're actually going to deal with it. You're going to say it. You're going to look at it. You're going to say, I act, remember when we talked about welcoming? I welcome the accusation. How powerful is that? Religion is saying, get away from me, Satan. And yet you welcome it, welcome that it's personal, welcome all the emotion without the thick skin of what happens, and all of a sudden you begin to realize that you're that big old knot, it, it, you're making it loosen. And now all of a sudden it's movable. If you brush it under the rug and just keep it there, it just stays there. It's still under the rug. Your house is still a mess. And you just can't see it. So it's, but then when you start to do certain things and what we're going to learn with language and how alive it is, is you're going to begin to loosen the disease. Dis-ease. You're going to be, you're going to begin to loosen it and then you're going to send his love to it and you're going to push it out of your body. And I believe that this is part of what I was talking about with the teaspoon with the Mount Everest is the reason why we're not seeing healings and the reason why we're not walking in power and authority is because he's saying, will you take responsibility 
And yet we're like, but I need to get to that conference. Or I need to get to that pastor in Africa who knows how to pray for healing. And he's like, I gave you all power and authority. And what we've learned is if I just go into my prayer closet and just, God, do it. God, do it. God, do it. God, do it. And then then it's all him. And then he's like, well, you go walk it out. But then it's all me. And he's, we're going to learn to blend the two, which is heaven on earth, walking in, God, you do it through me. God, you do it through me. God, you do, move it, move it. And you're constantly moving the kingdom, heaven on earth. So it's no longer, I'm going to get the assignment and then I'm going to go walk it out. He told me to go do it and then I'm going to go, it's going to be a constant co-creation of ascending and a releasing and expanding and a surrendering and a constant movement. I don't know all that's coming, but what I do know is that if this didn't shift, it would end the way we've always known it to end. And he's teaching us how to walk, teaching us how to walk in that oneness and in covenant together and co-create so that the healing really can happen. So one one more thing just to end is that I, I think that it's not it's not that Yahweh is saying, well you're you're gonna just be an emotional wreck all the time and a mess about everything. He's as we're sitting looking back on this 20 years, it's learning how to go the next 20 years maintaining rather than me stuffing 20 years of crap and then having to deal with all of it at once, right? And that's what happens when somebody carries all that. Um, I think that one thing we could ask ourselves is, or, or be willing to be developed in a way that Yahweh may, may have you look at a way that you've lived life and be challenging you to change it. And that's a hard, I mean, nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to say, well, this is how I've lived my entire life, and you're asking me to change it. You're asking me to look at it and possibly shift how these things are happening. And I do want to testify that over the last, since this breakthrough, I've actually, there's been a few nights where, because we were talking about, I had a grandfather who had MS. He was very athletic, very healthy, war veteran, and he ended up in a wheelchair with multiple sclerosis at age 50. And uh, I really started thinking that there, there, I could be destined for that because of what I'm holding in my body and it would manifest that way. Because this last week or two, there's been uh, multiple nights where I've been having leg issues, like I can't feel, not like I can't feel my legs, but there's a, a strange sensation with my legs and my, my arms when I'm going to sleep. And I don't think that's normal, but to me, it's like, you know, maybe this is part of what Yahweh is saying. Like you're, he's showing me these things so that I can walk in a, in a, a way of healing rather than you know, stuffing these things. And that's why a lot of people that are military or, or, you know, first responders will do 20 years or whatever, and they'll retire and then they'll have a heart attack, you know? Well, and this is one uh, thing for you guys to know, because I want this to be real for all of us, that when you start to see things prophetically, don't call it one done and then 
it's done. Because it was a couple of years ago that somebody saw him in the spirit that uh, the enemy had come in and cut the nerve endings in his back and was completely paralyzed uh, here down. And what Yahweh was at that time releasing was him being numb. He couldn't feel. And that was dealt with in the spirit, but here we are in the natural where he's like, what is happening? I am feeling everything. And it's not necessarily in his, in his body. Does it, so I just, I want us to be so hungry for the things of him because when we engage this stuff, it's all connected and it's all part of that, all part of that story. And so that was, I mean, and that was just a, a couple of years ago, right? With being numb. I feel like there was one more. Oh, I just wanted to just kind of to wrap it up before Sally uh, comes up. For those, you guys know that family nights are a time recently to engage us and to engage our story. That's not something that we planned. It's not something that we wanted. It was something that you guys felt out of heritage that we would begin to pull on you. I, this is why I wanted to honor the family. Look at what you've done. He just said, I don't talk about myself. And two months ago, you said, can you guys start talking about yourself? Because here's some questions. How did you get through all the mockery? And we had to go, how, how did we get through all the mockery? We just, we're just surviving, right? You just go. You just, you just get up. You just go. And then somebody asked you, how did you, how did you get spit in the face and then keep going? And you're like, I don't, how, how did we? And then Yahweh's like, so you, this is what I meant by that, by pulling on that. So some of these questions, how did you get through a miscarriage? How, how did you, how did you lose a baby in the toilet? And your mother figure says, flush it. Just don't look at it. And then Yahweh says, can you start looking at this stuff? But I was taught just to not look at it. Can you start looking at yourself? Can you start looking? Can you start looking at your journey? Can you start seeing this? Some of these questions are, uh, how did you, um, how did you, what does it mean when you had to lay everything down? A lot of these questions that came from you guys is, uh, how did you live a lifestyle of laying down and not turning to hopelessness? How did you do this without a community? How did you, how did you start to see people through this stuff? How did you put uh, language to convictions? What has kept you going through all the hard times? So part of it isn't some just, this scripture got me through it. This five-point sermon got me through it. All of a sudden, Yahweh says, let me show you what got you through it, and we need to deal with that. So the answer to some of those questions are thick skin that now you're watching a father figure get stripped from and can't utilize that anymore to with where we're going. Amen? I mean, I feel like this is going to trans... Look at his face. This is going to transform our family. And if you transform a family, you're going to transform nations. Amen? All right, so with that, uh, we just want to activate uh, the atmosphere. Uh, Mom, mm -hmm. I want you guys to stay up here. And then um, can all the Brewer kids come up? So we have a sending that is actually going on. 
Oh, that's where uh, mom and dad <laughs> and uh, the Brewer kids are going to Tucson starting Sunday. And they're going to be gone all next week. And this is a specific time where Yahweh has said that they're going down. It's going to be a family vacation. And, um, and in this season that Yahweh has them in, they're, they're, it's in a season of restoration. It's in a season of looking at stuff so that these things can be healed and restored and things can be added to in them, okay? Because they've suffered a lot of loss in survival, okay? So um, as they go down on this family vacation, uh, Yahweh has just spoken that there's going to be some restoration. So, um, so with that, I just want everyone to... Um, to stretch your hands out and we are going to release them and send them into their next week. Um, something that was going through my mind whenever you guys were talking is uh, a conversation I had recently with mom. She had shared with me this, uh, this graphic that talked about how at the beginning of creation, you guys remember that in the word it says that whenever um, Yahweh <laughs> which it's plural, so it was Yahweh and Ruach and Yeshua and cloud of witnesses and whoever else is up there, okay? <laughs> they were all looking at the waters. There was nothing formed yet, okay? Nothing was formed. They were just hovering over the waters. And, um, and the graphic was talking about how when they were looking in the water, they were seeing a reflection of themselves. That's what mm. they were looking at. And it started this mm -hmm. um, this experience where they were literally looking at themselves in this emptiness that had no shape, no void, and they started being intimate with their own reflection, okay? And it got all of them literally being intimate with one another to be able to then create, which is what creation actually came out of. Now, that's not the fullness of the revelation, but that's what I can remember. So in hearing that, when you guys were talking about how you are now looking at each other and how you're a reflection of Yahweh in his life, I just heard Yahweh start saying, and I wanted to release over you publicly that as you guys look into each other and as you look into the reflection, as you look into your reflection and as you guys start um, becoming intimate with each other's reflection with that image and as you see the fruit of what you already have been looking at okay these are your fruit we are all your fruit um that there's just such uh when you're talking about like creating and talking about creation and talking about literally birthing coming out of that that what you guys have already birthed is nothing compared to what you're going to birth that the union that is happening It's like what's already happened is only half and what you're about to birth is going to be in the fullness. So it's going to be the whole thing. And obviously he's going to add to that. And I just wanted to reverse in this season uh, corporately with the backing of a family that backs you guys fully. I just wanted to reverse that curse that says that your ministry and your life will end as Uzzah did.
Yahweh, we just stand as their family and we reverse that right now. And we say no. We say that Justin and Tanya Brewer, that the Brewer family, that their ministry will end terribly in abundance, that their ministry will end in just a terrible, um, a terrible as in a, like a reverential, like I just feel like a shaking, um, that your ministry will end in a terrible abundance, that, that your ministry will terribly add on, that your ministry will terribly uh, con uh, continue to multiply in this earth, that what, that what people will see that has come from you guys in the future, they will say it's terribly abundant. It is terrible, like there's an addition to the terrible. Like they put a period under after terrible and yet Yahweh is saying no, it's actually terribly abundant, terribly awesome, terribly um, multiplied, terribly, um, I mean, literally whatever he can possibly um, put after that. And so, you know, in this season, um, it's the month of the father as, as far as Av goes, but tomorrow is the 15th of Av, which is actually when he releases um, all of the destruction, all of the grief, all of the mourning, mm -hmm. he releases all of that tomorrow. And you're actually sent into a time where the Hebrews will declare over one another, may you be inscribed and sealed for a good year. So Father, we just send the Brewer family into this family vacation on Sunday throughout next Sunday. We just send them into that and say that they are uh, ready, they are prepared, they are equipped, that they have done well, that this time period of grief and mourning and uh, backstabbing and, and pain in the back that is being carried, that is causing one to hunch over because it's too much. Father, we just declare that now they are being sent into a year where they are inscribed and sealed for a good year. We reverse that death. We reverse that, um, that this is the time that people will come back and say that an assignment cannot be fully carried out. Father, we just stop all of that. We reverse it and we say that the Brewer family are headed into a good year, that they are sealed, they are marked um, for a good year in Yeshua's name. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomheirsflag.org. Thank you.